Hello. It is Wednesday, September 22nd, 2021. Big show, big show. Mark Andrews joins us. Obviously, tight end for the Baltimore Ravens, who just got paid. Chuck Pagano. Coach us up Chuck segment weekly on Wednesdays. Stopped by, told some hilarious stories, and broke down some situations around the NFL. And old Uncle Dana White came by for a chit-chat about this weekend in life as Dana White. I think it was actually a pretty good conversation. We dove into some more shit with him. Uh, we can't thank you enough for allowing us to penetrate your ear holes. If you enjoy this show, by the end of it, please be a friend, tell a friend. If not, just act like it never happened. Let's get to it. <laughs> just learned right before we came on if you do watch every day on youtube we appreciate the hell out of you obviously now if you're a member of our uh mafia which is a subscription service that youtube has it literally ours is a buck 99 i think or as low as it could possibly be uh so you can get a green comment i guess once a month you get a highlighted comment whoa, whoa. what i was literally just learning about once a month you get a highlighted comment and don't waste your highlighted comment on anything stupid is what i'm saying so <laughs> yeah. i can't wait to see those i can't wait to see the activity in the comment section, maybe be used in a better fashion, especially whenever it comes to the highlighted comment of the month from you. Yeah. Make sure that's your best stuff. I would say try it out elsewhere, you know, maybe around the house. Yep. Uh, maybe uh, even what I used to do is I would put a tweet out, and if I had a good response, I'm like, okay. This could probably be something I could probably go with here as a story. Don't be scared to do that with your highlighter. You only get one a month. All right, Sampla, we appreciate the hell out of all of you for watching and listening today. This is a good day. We got some big time guests. We got a first time guest. Really? Ooh. Yeah. Mark Andrews, Baltimore Ravens tight end, will join yes. us in about six minutes. He just got paid. They just had a massive win against the Chiefs. I can't wait to chit chat with him about about with him about the. Uh, I was pointing out, we asked Norman where AJ is. AJ's not here. He's at the Ryder Cup. Oh, uh, jeez. Competing for America. Here we go. But this guy went to Oklahoma. All right. Boomer. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Sooner. We got uh, West Virginia, Oklahoma this week. Oh. Uh oh. Yeah, it seems like there might be another 20 public push ups on the line, and I do not exactly love that because uh, they have a Heisman candidate on their team or two, I believe. And, oh, yeah. And although we just beat the dog shit out of Virginia Tech, we did throw an interception with like three minutes left in the game on our own 20 up five or something like that. So mm. there's a lot to learn, I think, in that whole thing. But I'm ready. I'm excited. I can't wait to chat with him. Can't thank him enough. And then Chuck Pagano will join us in the second hour. There was a lot of conversations around coaches' decisions this past weekend, both college and in the pro game. And also some stories maybe from uh, teams that he had been on i cannot wait to chat with him i absolutely love every time he comes on the show this coaches up chuck thing the first week all right not i think it was you know chuck kind of finding his water uh then second week you know a little bit then he i mean now we're going oh here yeah. we go here we go i mean he loses up last week yeah, yeah. big yeah, yeah. time groove yeah he is a hysterical human being who has incredible knowledge on the game of football and only coached for like 30 five years or something like that damn i mean or maybe 40 years i don't know what it was <laughs> yeah committed to football now he's retired obviously very lucky to call him a friend and a weekly guest every wednesday that'll be in the second hour and then the third hour we have uh dana white oh <laughs> my god uncle dana look at yeah. this guy he's come on show again this guy last time he came on he said you know what? i'm gonna send you a bunch of stuff i'm gonna send you out a workout machine he did not lie. He sent us the entire workout machine <laughs> yeah. and a shit ton of stuff. Venom stuff. Oh, yeah. Two bags. Two big bags. I mean, one of the biggest bags Fight I've ever seen in my gloves. life. Fight uh, from Dustin Poirier. Yeah. We got a bunch of that stuff. Can't wait to chat with him. They got a big fight coming up this weekend. Oh, Huge. yeah. Massive. Hey, big card this weekend. Can't Huge. wait. We're a big MMA show, you know? Oh, yeah. The UFC. Yeah. 
Speaking of MMA, Conor McGregor threw out one of the most hilarious first pitches yeah. in the history of first pitches last night. Jesus. Then he uh, obviously in a seventh inning stretch saying incredibly. Yeah. I, I mean, Conor McGregor continues to crush this ankle rehab situation. Last night he threw the opening pitch in Chicago for the Chicago Cubs, and he threw it into the stands over the third baseline. Yeah. Yep. I, I don't know if he did that on purpose or not because we have seen him throw a football. He shot put that thing about yep. 30, 40 yards. Yep. Got a lot of power, a lot of explosion. Obviously not great form. I don't know. It appears as if he tried to throw that into the stands. Oh, yeah. But we're not 100% sure. I, I'm not 100% sure. I do not know. But can't wait to chat with Dana about everything going on in their world. Uh, the Toxic Table is here at Boston Connor at Ty Schmidt. Ty, a lot of reaction oh, yeah. to Aaron Rodgers' reaction of the coverage of, um, of Aaron Rodgers after the week one loss of uh, uh, New Orleans Saints. Except Expected, understood. This is exactly what happens every single week during the football season. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we've talked about it a million times, and you knew yesterday when he, you know, took certain. I don't even want to say take took shots, but you know, responded to a lot of his critics. You knew that today uh, there was going to be a lot of fodder. There was going to be a lot of fodder out there. Everyone's going to be responding because I'm sure a lot of people feel like he was talking directly to them, and they wanted to get a chance to, you know, stake their. We're just giving opinions. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, sure. All right, and we love. Swagoo, and there's a lot of people that we enjoy on TV. There's some people on TV that we just go like, all right, whenever they eventually get phased out of this thing, sports media will be a lot better. I mean, there's some of those. There's, we like a lot of people. We understand it's a lot of work. We appreciate that. But it is crazy. Like when somebody says something and doesn't put a name on it, how many people that he was – that probably th – he's uh, talking to me. Oh, oh, son of a bitch. And I bet you Aaron – Probably either was or wasn't. I don't. It can go either way. Either he does know everything that every human has said about him, mm -hmm. and it's almost like a list. Like, uh, all right, dead forever, dead forever, yeah. dead forever. I'm not sure if that's the case, or if he was talking to a couple people, and then those shots were heard by 50 people who have made a living off of potentially saying disparaging things about people. Also, Aaron Rodgers. That's why I found it so fascinating. I was excited to see what was going to happen to those comments on these shows because for a long time. And, you know, I get yelled at for this all the time, uh, you know, because we are an Aaron Rodgers. This is Team 12 show. Yeah, sure. Absolutely. Very much so. We got a chance to know him. I got a chance to golf with him, hang out with him. He obviously gives us so much time through the season. Yeah. It is unbelievable. We're very lucky and thankful for old Aaron Rodgers' friendship and also his guestship on the show. So whenever I speak like publicly about things that I feel about this guy from knowing him, I think a lot of people hate it because for a long time, there were some people that got away with saying some shit about Aaron Rodgers who, you know, they would then feed people that maybe didn't like Aaron. A teammate of his said, and it was always just the same couple people. Right. Now, that same, I don't, I don't know if he was speaking to Jermichael Finley, but I think everybody assumed he was. A lot of people took he, that way, yeah. said, Jermichael Finley yet again says it again. And all that does, by the way, is it goes to all the sports media people just like us and go, hey, a teammate of his said bloom about him so that almost empowers the sports media people to continue the narrative that has always been said about aaron Rodgers because aaron literally never talked about anything to anybody he was called a prima donna a selfish prick he had family issues he had everything in his life was documented and he was bashed by every not just in the sports world by the way no we're talking about in the entertainment world and every you're talking about all around the world because he's one of these superstars and he never said shit about it ever it was almost admirable. It was like, 
This guy will let people say whatever about him and never even defend himself. So once we met him, the first time I met him, I'm like, hey, why don't we answer anything? You know, because I'm somebody that lives on the internet and I enjoy like, I enjoy keeping up and knowing and seeing what people are saying. Like, I love it. Like, I, I enjoy it. I'm very lucky that this is what we get to do for a living. We live on the internet because I actually enjoy that thing. Aaron was just like, if I answered everything that was ever said about me, I mean, that's all I'd be doing all day. I'd just kill him with indifference or whatever. I'm like, yeah, but there's a couple we could have gotten in front of. Right? Yeah, yeah. Like, isn't there a couple that we could have potentially got in front of? And he's like, well, if you do that, then people are going to expect you to cover everything. So now that he's finally speaking, and I think we, as because we know him a little bit, AJ knows him a little bit, every teammate, as they continue to speak more, we're busting a narrative that this guy is the most selfish prick of all time in the NFL. And the people that believe that for a long time, I think are just having maybe a struggle with it, especially when there's some things that happen that feed that narrative, potentially, if you're looking at it through the lens of somebody that hates him. So I think it's going to take a little bit, but I'm very thankful that Aaron is at the point of his life where he's like, nah, no more of this shit. Like, mm -hmm. I like that. I love that because for far too long, I thought, hey, you should be defending yourself against some of this shit. There's some things that you should come out and say like, hey, this ain't true and I think it would potentially end. And he just, well, if you do that, then how many more do you have to answer? And now all those people that feel that way and have said things like that about him for a long, long time and thought they knew him and they never actually knew him, now they're hearing all this other shit and they're like, well, I don't like that. That, that. that doesn't fit how I felt about this whole thing for so long. It's like, well, you only literally heard one side of the story because the other side of the story, Aaron, wouldn't say fucking shit about anything. So it's like, it's a fascinating time right now. It's a very fascinating time for Aaron, I assume, because he's getting a lot out there and clarifying a lot. And the people that love him are like, yeah, this is why we've been a fan of this guy because we've either encountered him in the in the street uh, randomly or at an event or something like that. And he's been nothing but cool to us or whatever. And it's like, finally, I think he's getting a chance to really, you know, take back the narrative almost. And there's going to be some people that hate it. And they do. Oh, I yeah. mean, there are people oh, that yeah. do yeah. hate it. But it's expected. And that's the world we live in, I well, guess. Well, I think a big part of it, too, is like you, you talk about, like, we just got done talking about Devontae. And, like, he goes through the 2010 team when they won the Super Bowl. And, like, all those guys, like, his teammates love him. They, you never hear anything bad from guys who are currently playing with him unless it's, like, a you know an unnamed source inside the Packers. Which, you know, we've talked about before. Like, it's bullshit. You can't really take that for anything. It's just these, it's these guys who are continually, you know, jaded and when they were there with him it's like you you can see all the pictures like it looks like they had a great relationship and it's also interesting because we talk about how like it's a week-to-week -week process and everything like it's with him every single week after he comes on like you know what to expect then for, yeah. like, you know what i mean like he is each and every week is do or die almost which is kind of interesting like i, I mean it's net, obviously watching a Packer season it's never been like that before so it is kind of crazy with like he literally is like living and dying at least on the internet with every single performance every decision he makes yeah. everything he does every game that he's played every video that hits the internet I mean it is everything and I guess that's just life as Aaron Rodgers at Boston Connor I can't wait to hear your thoughts on everything happening in the world and right. hammer dime boy Tone digs the COVID cowboy remains hot in the gambling alongside Gumpy another human who actually came out and said something very similar to that lamar jackson said right now they love me and then they'll hate me he said it's always going to be like that so i can't pay attention to it or something like that he said right now everybody's high on uh me and what we got going on but it'll be something different next week and he said it's always been like that with him which i assume it has by the way yeah. in high school going into college there's probably a lot of teams that were like nah you should do this instead of play quarterback then in college he goes on dominates and going to the nfl the entire conversation was nah you should do this instead of play quarterback so i think he has and aaron obviously does as well i think they have some calluses you know oh. 
oh, yeah. they can handle stuff being said to them. And I think that's a beautiful thing. Uh, and we'll be talking to one of Lamar Jackson's biggest weapons here in about a minute or two. Uh, I believe we're paused on this thing. Uh, we're oh, in. shit. Yeah. That thing is crazy, by the way, when you FaceTime with somebody. Mm-hmm. And it just says pause. It's like, oh, you got another call. All right. I'll wait. Sounds good. Well, also, sometimes now, because you can close it out and that little screen appears on the FaceTime. Yeah. If you close it out too soon before you connect, it pauses automatically. So you got to wait a second, Ah. then close out, and then it's not paused. I heard the new FaceTime is even crazier, by the way. And and for the people that don't have iPhones, I appreciate you being like, no, I ain't doing it. Never. Wake up. I want to let you know. Well, see, that's what... Come on. That's what the people who mostly don't have iPhones, yeah. they actually say they are. No. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. No. That's their kind of whole thing. But, like, the new FaceTime, I guess, is insane. And this new phone has a camera that's better than... It's, it's the 8K camera that we see on TV. Oh, it's, yeah. Apple has trillions of dollars or whatever the fuck it is. They have more money. And everybody's like, what do you do with that money? What do you do with that money? They made nicer cameras than it, that anybody yeah. has ever seen before for everybody's iPhone that buys it. It's like, what... The hell they got? They got aliens over here. That's yeah, right. they do. Speaking of an alien, ladies and gentlemen, joining us now is a tight end who's unbelievable at football. Just got paid, by the way, and is coming fresh off an incredible victory over the Kansas City Chiefs on primetime football. Ladies and gentlemen, Mark Andrews. Yeah! What's up, dude? How's it going? How are you? Hey, Pat. Thanks for having me on, man. No, thank you for joining us. we got to get to this first before we start talking about all the incredible successes that you've had with the Baltimore Ravens and everything. Congrats on the bag, obviously. That's awesome. You deserve it. You earned it. Uh, West Virginia's going to Oklahoma this weekend. How many points are you giving me? And uh, uh, 20 public push-ups on the line here? Yeah, uh, I think we'll win by like 14. I'll, okay. I'll bet you 20 on that. Okay, so you're going to give give me 14 points as well? Yeah, yeah, 14 points. Wow. Damn. A lot. You're going to give me 14 points. You know what you're doing right now. You're giving me. I'll give you, I'll give you 14 points, man. Wow. My, dog, my dog's got it. Easy. That is so disrespectful. Oh. Hey, that is so disrespectful. <laughs> I want to let you know how disrespectful that is. The spread's only five. He's like, nah, not enough. They do not know. Go to 14. What's that? The spread's 15 and a half. Oh, whoa, shit. Whoa. Who told me five? Somebody told Gumpy, hand up. Gumpy just said hand up. He missed the one in front of that thing. I want 16. I need 16 points. No, nah, man, we agreed 14. No! Oh. No! Hey, you know what? Make it 10. Yeah, yeah make it 10. That's I knew I knew it was 15 and a half, dude. I knew it was 15 and a half points. Yeah, make it 10, dude. All right, anyways. 20 good push-ups. Yeah, 20 public push-ups. All right, bet. All right, so like if we, if we see you, if I see you, I'm like, hey, need five. Or, you know what I mean? It's like something like that. We'll set it up. This is, I think this is the right thing to do, and I can't wait to see it. Thanks for the, thanks for the 16 points. It's very nice of you. Now, let's talk, <laughs> let's talk about the Baltimore Ravens. Uh, massive win, obviously undefeated. We go, what are we doing out here? Uh, the team, not undefeated, sorry. The, um, the team is riddled with injury. I mean, the, the injuries that were coming out of your camp into the national spotlight. It was like, how is this happening? And I think the story is like back-to-back plays with uh, Gus and Marcus Peters. It was like, did you guys ever think to yourself, like, why is this happening to us? And how did you never lose focus? It seems like the team is like, the next man up thing is a real thing, but what is it? Is it the culture so beautiful? Harbaugh's got that thing? Are you a tight-knit group? What is it about this team that's been able to kind of get over 14 guys on the IR already? 
Yeah, like you said, man, we just got hit by a, a little bit of an injury bug, and you know, just a lot of unfortunate events happened, and and that happens over time. It's football, you know what I'm saying? So things like that happen, um, but we've been hit hard. But um, you know, Baltimore, we got a deep roster, and from the front office down, they do a great job of bringing in guys that can play football. Doesn't matter if you're a first string, second string, third string. Um, all these guys here are, are really good football players, and so it's next man up mentality. We got a bunch of fighters here in Baltimore, man. That's why I love playing here. It's a the culture here is incredible. It's a bunch of hard-nosed, hard-working uh, people that come to work trying to get better every day, and that's what it's all about when you play football. And every time we watch, and I think the first week there against the the Raiders, right? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. The Raiders, I think none of us really knew what to expect from your team with all the injuries, and you guys signed some people like a day before the game and everything. They weren't active, but they're, now they're going to get in there in the running back room. But as soon as you watch a game and you see Lamar Jackson, you're like, oh my God, how did I ever think that this team might be in trouble? He is, hey, he's an alien, I think, dude. I think yeah, he's, he's an alien. <laughs> he is. He's getting faster, too. It seems like he's getting faster, stronger, smarter at this point. What is he like behind the scenes as well? Because it seems like everybody absolutely loves that dude. Yeah, no doubt, man. And like you said, he's an alien on the field. Um, you know, just like when you block for him, it's like it's almost hard to not make, make a good block because he's going to make you right. Um, but he's a freak athlete. But behind the scenes, he's a, he's just a real cool dude. Um, down to earth, um, you know, people kind of gravitate towards him just because his whole persona is, you know, kind of super down, but he's, he's very relatable, man. He's a incredible teammate, incredible friend. Um, I've been blessed to be able to play with him, man. He's definitely the best player I've ever played with. Yeah, and I think he's very thankful that you're on the team, obviously, and the tight end relationship with Lamar since he came into the league has been something beautiful, and I think it's the Ravens had focused on it, too. Uh, whenever they made the decision to move on from uh, Joe and go full-time with Lamar, I remember there was three tight end sets. It was, hey, we're going to do this thing. We're going to change the game because we have a guy that can change the game, and there's no other guy like this guy out there. And if there is... You would hope that any other team would do the same thing if there's ever another Lamar Jackson. But well, you just got paid. Hey, what did you buy? You earned this thing. Did we make any cool purchases? Did you did you gift anybody anything sweet? What was it like getting this big payday? Congrats, dude. Appreciate that, man. It was just incredible. It was a lot of hard work to get to this point, you know. So uh, just being just thankful, being able to call my family, celebrate with them. But you know, didn't buy anything. You know, hopefully me. Um, you know, buy here, uh, buy a house here in, in Maryland, and, and maybe in Scottsdale as well. So uh, I'm excited about that. Are you an Arizona guy? I am. I was born and raised in Scottsdale. Dude, I was just out there. This what was that? Two weeks ago? Yeah, three yeah. weeks ago? What a beautiful! Incredible. It is a completely different planet than where we live. I mean, the the mountains, the desert yep. is absolutely beautiful. So, when you go to Baltimore, any culture shock at all, or, or how have you taken to the city of Baltimore, and what are your thoughts on it? I've loved it from the from the get go. You know the people here, the fans here. Um, it's a unique city, uh, but I've I've grown to love it. I've grown to love these people. A um, bunch of people that work hard um, and, and do their jobs and, and, and live the right way. So um, everyone out here has been awesome. Um, again, when I wish I wish you could have like been there at uh, MNT Bank Saturday or Sunday night, uh, Kansas City Chiefs. It was a you know probably the most fun game I've ever played in. Um, fans are going crazy. Um, that's what it's all about, man. They live for they live for their football and, and games like that. Was there any conversation or thought like about the Chiefs being the big bad wolf for you guys for whatever reason? Because that was a narrative going in by all the TV people. Obviously, for you guys, massive game. You should have won Week One. I think you probably all recognize that whenever you watch the film going into Week Two. Then all of a sudden you got the Chiefs coming in, who obviously not just big bad wolf for you guys, but for everybody. You know they're the conference champs or whatever back to back. So is there is there any thought on that or is it just like, do you guys take the nameless, faceless humans route of this whole thing? 
Yeah, we definitely do the nameless, faceless thing. But I think, you know, with them, we've had this kind of, uh, I mean, it's been a lot, three years since we beat them, or, or, you know, we haven't won in three years. So um, I think that was, you know, extremely evident to us and everybody on the outside world. And um, I, it's definitely something that we thought about. And, and um, I think you just see how we played. We played with a bunch of motion, played from our heart. Um, and guys just going out there doing their jobs. And it was it was just an incredible game. Um, everyone competing. Um and, and that's what it's all about. You know, that's a game that, um, you know, we're going to have to be ready for again down the road. The um, whenever we played in Baltimore and I don't know if they hate us more because the Colts left before I was born um, and they're still mad or whatever. And the Ravens have won a Super Bowl since, obviously. And, <laughs> yeah. and they stole a team from Cleveland at the time, but they still hate us, I guess. And I understand that. But that fan base doesn't get enough credit and recognition Nationally, that stadium is bananas. I, I mean, I got a yep. chance to be there for the last time Ray came out with the fire, and it was maybe that night was different or whatever. But when boom, 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 when that hit, I was it like, this crazy. is the coolest thing of all time. Yeah, I yep. fucking loved it. That stadium is awesome over there. It, it is, man. It's one of the best places to play. For me, it is the best place to play. The grass is incredible, fans are incredible. Um, there's no bigger stage than that. You ever eat any of those uh, COVID-filled crab cakes from Jimmy's? Oh, oh man. Hey, Jimmy's is the best. No, 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 no. no. I mean, their oh, crab yeah. cakes are delicious. Yeah, the best are. I've I'm ever old. had. Sure. The best I've ever had. But uh, Why don't you like Jimmy's, man? Oh, listen. Incredible food. All right. Yep. Great environment. Yeah. Treat you everything. Well. Owners seem to be nice guys. Yeah, seem to be. But everything that bad happens in Baltimore seems to somehow just... Yeah, right back to Jimmy's. Jimmy's is always right in the middle of that. Whole, I don't know. Hey, listen. They said uh, they said a couple people maybe missed some things because old Jimmy's Seafood had too good of a food, too good of a party, too yeah. good of people, you know? <laughs> that, maybe that's what they said. You know what I mean? Hey, they're involved in everything here in Baltimore, mm -hmm. but they treat people the right way. They do things the right way. And, um, man, that food, the crab cakes are where it's at mm. and they ship nationally oh, too yeah. i mean and they put them on they put them on like ice you oh, know so literally ice. as soon as oh, you yeah. get it it's almost like oh my Ready god go. it's and listen they're they're a good company okay <laughs> well the fact that you're talking about it means they're a good company you know <laughs> No, no, no. To hell with that place. <laughs> to hell with that place. I love it. Hey, a couple questions from the boys. Is that all right, Mark? We appreciate you joining us right now. Yeah, let's do it. Go ahead, Ty. Mark, I read that uh, due to your diabetes, you ha you wear an insulin pump every single day, and the only time you don't wear it uh, is when you play football. Is that true? And also, like, I mean, obviously it hasn't hindered you at all, but, like, how tough is it, whether, like, through training or whatever, like, does your diabetes ever, like, kind of hold you back at all? Yeah, so I was diagnosed when I was nine, and, you know, I've been lucky. My family and my dad's a doctor, so I've, I've gotten really good at dealing with it. And um, So I wear a tandem pump, um, and technology has, has gotten so much better throughout the years. So I, I wear a pump um, that gives me insulin. I take that off for um, for, for uh, games and practices and things like that. And, um, and then I also wear a, a, a Dexcom CGM, which is like if you don't have that, you have to test your blood sugar. You have to prick your finger, um, and that takes a little bit of time. But uh, this Dexcom CGM, it's another – device that's on me um, and it feeds my you know my blood sugars um, through Bluetooth to my phone um, and also to like my parents my bro brother and other people that have the the Bluetooth connectability with it so um, it's been awesome I do really good with it I got great trainers here um, you know so I, I'm really kind of on top of it you know it's my job to, to be able to, to play with diabetes and I want to show people with diabetes they can do whatever they want yeah and I think that's a big deal for the diabetes community and I think one thing about diabetes is uh, hey by the way shout out to you man 
Shout out to you. Shout out. Shout out to you. Not being scared to show like, hey, I got to go through this as well, just like everybody else. We're in this thing. Yeah. But I think I don't fully understand what diabetes is, though. So your levels, I know that in sugar is bad. Sugar is good. And what could ultimately happen potentially at the end? And I'm very thankful that we're you know putting a spotlight on this because I've encountered a lot of people through my life that have this. And it seems to be something that would make your life vitally different if you had to experience this on a day to day. So what is it completely and what are we trying to stay away from? Yeah, so it's like, um, so my pancreas doesn't create insulin. And so when I'm eating carbs and sugar, um, I don't have that insulin that you naturally produce that your body regulates um, to bring your blood sugar at a certain level. I don't have that. So I'm having to do it manually, um, you know, with giving myself, you know, insulin and, and different things or um, so that's, that's basically kind of the, the short story behind having diabetes. So it's, you know, sugar will bring my blood sugar up. Um, and then taking insulin will bring it down. So it's all about trying to moderate that. It's kind of, um, you know, it's kind of like an up and down trying to teeter. Um, and it's a 24 seven thing, you know, you can't forget about it. It's, uh, you're always trying to make sure your levels are good and, and stable, but it's, it's definitely hard to describe. Well, I appreciate you putting on for everybody that has to deal with that on a day-to-day -day basis. The fact that you are a freak athlete who has the time to not only manage your workouts and your insulin levels and your film study, and you also seem to be an incredibly cool guy. So we appreciate the hell out of you as a human, but also putting a face to something that a lot of people have to suffer with and deal with on a day-to-day -day basis. I can't thank you enough for joining us, boss. Good, week uh, good luck this weekend against the Lions. Thank you, Pat. I appreciate that. Appreciate you guys. What have you learned about that Lions team early in film? Are they uh, non-kneecaps up there? Is NCDC <laughs> got the boys flying around? What are, you, what are your quick early week thoughts? Yeah, I saw that Dan Campbell quote. Um, he's, he seems like a pretty cool dude. But, yeah, um, yeah man, they're, they're a big physical team. Um, you know, they got a, a big front. Um, so we, we got to be able to be able to handle that. But um, they do what they do. They play what they play. And so we're going to know. Um, what we have to do. It's going to be a physical game, um, but you know, hopefully, going to be able to run the ball and um, you know, throw the ball. Yeah, that's what you guys do, by the way. You guys uh, in the game of football, run the ball in <laughs> and throw the ball. You know what I mean, ladies and gentlemen, the man who is going to owe me twenty public push-ups after the West Virginia Mountaineers outright win or lose by less than fourteen. All right, fourteen, ladies and gentlemen, Mark Andrews. <laughs> Thank you, man. Cool guy. Yeah, awesome. Very cool guy. Hasn't got a chance to experience his money yet, though. Mm -hmm. Went right into the season, I think, whenever the money came, right? I yeah, think it was yeah, a, yeah. kind of a late signing, though. Uh huh. So I hope he does something awesome, especially out there in Scotland. There's a lot of options out there for cool stuff. Yeah, I think he great. was the first tight end, too, to get paid after the summit. Oh, tight end you. I should have asked mm. him about tight end. He had a hard out, and I think we did miss it. Oh, Just by really? a little bit, but we're good, though. Okay, so, so there's <laughs> there to deal with the uh, text messages there. So I was going to go around the room there. That diabetes thing is insane. Yeah. You know, because there's, you know, I hear about it, you hear about it, but I'm always like, what's going on? Why does this person have something, a needle inside them at all times or whatever? And then it's, I, so insulin is the one that handles your carbs regulates and, your blood sugar i guess and then right. if it gets too high is that what you can't have it happen or, right. or too low both. right both so my insulin goes in there takes the carbs takes takes the sugars and says hey your motherfuckers are gonna stay right here yeah yeah and then it, without insulin that's just just going yeah exactly north south east mm -hmm. and west in there and that that's energy levels i assume and other yeah, and you health pass you out, pass out. Yeah. yeah going to shock 
God, could you imagine? That's a full-time job. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's nuts. Well, that's what, like, you know, you I, I had a couple kids that, like, I knew growing up who had it, and it's, like, one thing. You see what they have to do day in, day out, and then, like, you at, you know, being a football player on, on top of it, like, with all the stuff he's probably, you know, you have to put into your body to, like, maintain your physique and everything. I bet it's very difficult. It's yeah. called a diabetic coma. It's, like, I'm reading about it. It's, it's insane. And so you pass out, and then yeah, you're just at? You just look, like, delirious. Like, you look drunk, basically. Really? And then you just knock out. Man. I'm happy he's, uh, you know, that's incredible to look yeah, at. Yeah. Crushing it. Yeah. And he's, oh, yeah, Yoked big up. body. He's big body. Uh-huh. Him and Ricard are over there, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's what I was, my next question was going to be about, like, do you and Ricard just look at some teams and go, oh, we're going to demolish these dudes? <laughs> Let's get him. You know, because Ricard's, what, 275 or something like that? Three. No, was he 300 pounds? Yeah, no, real. he was 300 at D-line, I think. Nah, maybe he was 300 pounds. He's listed at 300 plus. And he's 307. And he's the fullback for them. He used to be a defensive lineman or whatever. 6'3, 311 is what he's listed. (laughs) And then you got got Mark Andrews as well. Imagine them both going to seal an edge. And then you have an alien running behind them, you know? And it's like 14 people on IR or whatever already for that team. And they're like, it's all right. We got a. We got uh, Mark Andrews. This guy just moves bodies and catches balls. Uh, then we got this defensive end that is basically a D-tackle weight, 311. Yeah. He can run very fast. And then, oh, yeah, by the way, the guy that's under center, there hasn't been anybody like him ever before. No. People compare other mobile quarterbacks to Lamar Jackson. He already has 800-yard rushes or whatever in his career. I think the lead is 10, which is what Vic had. Yeah. Michael Vick had 100. He's going to pass that in three weeks probably. Oh, yeah. yeah. He's done in like 43 games and it took Vic obviously 200 plus. And it's going to – and listen, Michael Vick was a video game. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And the game is much different now than it was then. And the offense is set up for yeah. Lamar to run. And Michael Vick's was not. It was basically – we got a West – they got a, they had a West Coast yes. offense, I think. Yep. Mm-hmm. And then basically he was just – scrambling and running for his life. Lamar Jackson offense is the Lamar Jackson offense because we have Lamar Jackson. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's like people are saying they're not going to pay him and they, they can't pay him. It's like their entire offense is Lamar Jackson. Yeah. So the dives that they give, the pitches that they give is because the defense is scared to death that Lamar Jackson is going to continue to keep the football. The offensive line that they build up, Mark Andrews getting money, the defensive end that gets moved to fullback, that's because Lamar Jackson is there. So it's just like, if they were to not pay Lamar and get on the outs with Lamar, now granted, health is going to be something that will always be mentioned because it's mentioned alongside every other position that runs with the ball a lot. Okay, that is something that happens, that there's a chance. Lamar has seemed to have no problem with that. Mm-hmm. He seems to miss hit somehow, yep. even while still gaining extra yardage. That spin move he hit on old buddy in Cincinnati is still something people talk about. He split people and continued. He doesn't seem to take many big hits, but all anybody will say is it only takes one. Hey, it only yeah. takes one. It only takes one. And he's obviously at a higher risk running the ball to get hit like that. But also, I'd say the quarterbacks that can't move that are sitting in the pocket, seems like they get hurt a lot, too. Yeah. You know, yeah. So I think just the quarterback position as a whole, if they get hurt, you're fucked. It's like... Yep, that's that's the position. Yeah. And that's kind of the only drawback people say about Lamar Jackson. Well, if he gets hurt, you're fucked. It's like, if your quarterback gets hurt, yeah. you're fucked. Every I was on team. a team that was completely undefeated. Then two years later, our quarterback, who now has Monday Night Football, <laughs> he had something with his neck, didn't play. We almost won completely defeated. Yeah. So mm-hmm. if you lose your quarterback, you're in trouble. And you can lose your quarterback in many different ways. Including what it sounds like down in Miami. Oh, oh no, no, not the Finns. Yeah, Tua. So earlier in the week, it was reported. Tua and, got hurt. Yeah, Tua got hurt this past weekend. That's wild. He's uh, never hurt. Well, see, that is 
that is something. It seems to be a couple unfortunate events here into his life. The hip, I'm not sure anybody could have expected that. And then how last season went. And then now he, he is, he did get hurt and he did get carted off the field. Okay. And the way we covered this was because the initial reports were it was not serious. No, no. There was nothing wrong. It is not a serious injury. Bruce. And actually, on Monday Night Football, uh, as I was watching, the headline at the bottom, the ticker, uh, just like we have down here, obviously ours is much different than ESPN's. <laughs> the, our, the ticker said, like, update on Tua to his injury, not serious. And I actually FaceTimed A.J. Hawk as I saw that, and he answered for the first time ever. Wow. Yeah, he answered. It was pretty cool. And I go, it's going to be hard not to, you know, say some stuff about Tua tomorrow if it's not a serious injury with what had happened on Sunday. And then obviously Darius Butler joined us on Overreaction Monday. He is a Miami Dolphins fan. He said, hey, that seems like a pretty standard hit that's going to happen in the NFL. So the narrative there early was hard not for me to get into is Tua not tough enough to be a quarterback? Okay, that, and I think the information that was being released, and it must all be completely inaccurate now looking back on it. We apologize for even thinking that, but we never said it, by the way, because that is a massive thing to say about somebody, that somebody's not tough enough to do something. But the initial reports was that, that nothing, there was no problem, it's not an issue, nothing serious, it's day by day. It's like day by day, he's a franchise and he just got out of the game. Like that can't happen, especially for a team that's looking to go on a run and yeah. make a decision, go with this guy. I mean, it's a big deal now it is being reported he does have broken ribs damn i don't know how any other report was released earlier in the week at all if you're the dolphins who last year there was a little bit of a pr thing with uh, ryan fitzmagic being benched and flores not being able to tell either ryan fitzmagic or the team that they were moving on to tua when they were in the middle of a run so then that became a whole thing with fitzmagic like saying like yeah i was heartbroken i mean i read it on twitter so the coach didn't even tell me there was a whole situation there the pr of this situation i don't know how it, that narrative that nothing happened to him got out without anybody saying it. Yeah. Somebody from the Dolphins should have came out and said, we do not know if that's an accurate report because now that he has broken ribs, which could potentially lead to punctured lungs, like it all makes a lot more sense, especially with how much pain they were saying in. But those initial not serious reports, I think made Tua look not great mm -hmm. in a lot of people's eyes, including Dolphins fans, I think. Now that they hear that he's got broken ribs, I think they're like, okay, let's get him healthy. That's nice to hear that the guy didn't just quit, yeah. which is kind of what it sounded like right. when they were saying there was no other injury. So I know this is terrible news to hear as a Dolphins fan, but in my eyes, as a new Dolphins fan, fan, fan. Sure. as a new member of the Dolphin mm -hmm. after... Yeah getting a chance to experience the fins up community on the internet which i was grossly impressed by mm -hmm. i mean absolutely impressed by i was like okay i i like this team i would like them to win and we got gumpy in here i know it's bad news gumpy but like i think it's also good news that he didn't just tap out with no real injury you know what i mean yeah there's gonna be guys like Diggs that are just gonna say shit whether he's hurt or not that's gonna happen <laughs> what um Whoa. it's the nfl baby yeah <laughs> i mean Check the record. It's tough, man. It's it's a Dolphins fan. This is what happens. We're one and zero to start the season. Gets taken out what second possession of the game. Jacoby looks like shit. We get shot. The biggest worry here is Austin Jackson. Now our left guard has to cover for Jacoby, and he might be the worst guy on our O line. Okay, hi. So everything's going really well for the Dolphin. It sounds like yeah. yeah. Fins aren't up anymore. Is everything all right? Do we got a little bent finner? We got a dorsal? What's going on with the uh, – we're not happy. We're not feeling good about how the season's going to go? Because I was just told 
the way I was introduced to the doll fam, the fins up community. Yeah. Because I said, Dolphins probably going to end up in third place <laughs> in this division. That's all I said. Yeah. Because I was surprised by the sports books having Bills, Dolphins, Patriots, then Jets. That Jets is going to be tough to get, I think. Yeah. yeah. Okay, I'm not 100% sure. And that's no fault of Zach Wilson or Bob Solomon. No. Okay? No. They are in a rebuild year. They yeah. know it. They all know it. But I was very surprised that the sports books. After seeing Bill Belichick put 150 some million dollars in the first day of the tampering free agency day, 150 some million investing into that, getting Mac Jones and everything, I was very surprised that they had the Dolphins ranked above the Patriots just within the division, especially because Belichick knows the division pretty well at this yeah. point. First week comes, Dolphins beat the Patriots, and I'm like, all right. Hey, I, I respect their fan base for attacking me, for even saying they were going to come in third, okay, and not second. I, I appreciate them coming after me for that. I, uh, they go into, Lam or into Foxborough, they get a win, and then now it's like, are the Dolphins fans quitting on the season already? Sounds are like we it. quitting right now already? No, no, no. Are we quitting no, on the no, season? No, 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 no. It sounds like the it. Bills, no. The Bills have owned us forever, like Josh Allen. The Patriots owns us. have owned all of you, right? Or no, no, because no, I guess no, the no, Dolphins no. have always given you guys one. trouble. Yeah, we get one. one. We get one. One a year. We get one. Yeah, but they've gone on to win seven or six yeah, yeah. or whatever. Yeah, yeah. But to be fair, in Miami, they do struggle. But with this, with all this Tua, Jacoby thing, what if Jacoby comes out and slings Lights it, it up. Yeah, lights it up. And then what do you do with Tua? So I will say this until the death of me. Jacoby Brissett was on track to be in the MVP conversation for what he was doing for the Indianapolis Colts. This came after, obviously, Andrew Luck retired nine days before the season. Jacoby gets traded in from New England. He plays that year bad. Okay, he just got, he literally didn't know the offense. It was not good, didn't know anything. He had a full offseason. They gave him a little bit of money, a little bit of investment. He comes in there. He starts balling. Like, he starts winning the game. Yeah. He starts slinging the ball around. The Colts are winning. The team's good. We're moving. We're moving. Then Cam Hayward picked up an offensive lineman, dumped it on Jacoby Brissett's knee, and it all changed since then. Yeah. That Beat the Chiefs. It changed immediately. Beat the Chiefs in Kansas City. Yeah. Okay, and this is before the Chiefs turned into the flip-the-switch Chiefs that go on to win. That, that was the yeah. same season that they won uh, in the playoffs, down 17, 21, and yes. 10 or whatever. That's that same season. But still, Jacoby was balling. And it was like, this guy comes from the Tom Brady tree. He's been in the room. Seems to get along with everybody. Whenever Andrew Luck was on the team, Jacoby was still like the leader, I guess, yeah. of the team. So it's like, hey, this guy could be good. But we haven't seen him do much great since the knee injury. Hey, buy him some time down there in Miami. Mm. That offense got weapons. Hey, that offense uh -huh. got weapons down there. They do. Uh, fam can go and run. Will oh, Fuller. Will Fuller's back this week. Yeah, oh. well, hey, there we, we go. go. Got a speedster. Yeah. Uh -huh. All right, we got a guy. We won in Vegas last year. We'll do it again. This ain't no problem. We'll do it again. Yeah, but Jacoby's ready to go. He's probably the leader down there already, I oh, assume. Yeah. This is your chance, 15. Jacoby. The What's Colts didn't want you. The Patriots didn't want you. What? This is your time, Jacoby. What? Time is now. Huh? I do like the fact that you guys think just two is out for the rest of the year. Yeah, wow. Broken ribs. Just well, trying I mean, to win ball games. It doesn't matter who the quarterback is. Oh, gumpy ball games back here. That's, that's what I'm the problem. About. You know, is whether Dolphins fans want to admit it or not, you know, Stephen Ross already said, like, hey, let's let's go get Deshaun. And now Whoa. if Tua 
Did he's he say a, that? Yeah. Well, I, mean, I got a text. It, it, was re- it was reported that he said that. I just want to let you know, on this particular Dolphin show, we, we will not just be reporting things that are allegedly said. Not to my Dolphin. But that's that's the problem, is now this stuff is only going to intensify. Like, oh, yeah. uh, you know, hopefully Jacoby does play well, but if he doesn't, and the Dolphins look like shit and get blasted the next three to four weeks, Whoa. like then what happens? You that's know, gonna Are they going to be super confident? It's like, oh, okay, well, two is coming back from his, you know, four weeks sojourn on the, on the IR. A jorn? Sojourn. Yeah. Uh, what a word. It, like, it, Ambivalent last they're d- week. They're done me. with him. They're done with who? Tua. Who's done? The fans? I just think the whole organization. Like, I don't know how if he comes back. Like, How he, did they let the report get out that it I'm wasn't saying. broken It just ribs. makes him look so incompetent. So it, bad. Yeah. It, it just, it's not a good situation. And it's definitely, I mean, I don't know if it's fair to Tua. I mean, if he can't stay healthy, that's one thing. But, like, I think... I think they're looking for a new quarterback. Wow. Jeez, we're peddling in narratives that we don't know if that's true or not. We're not sure, but we do know Deshaun Watson had a punctured lung, and he took the bus, correct, to the game so he could play because he wasn't allowed to fly. Andrew Brees last season. He had no hair. He had 14 fractured ribs, punctured lungs that entire His arm was dead. His heart stopped for a second. Now he's, well, Tony. I mean, that is true, but... He can still put it on a dime. For yeah, that yeah. Too, oh, yeah. Right? Not everybody can put it on a dime. Now, full long, rib cage back, yep. full head of hair, on TV, crushing it. Making picks. And that's the story of Drew Brees, you know? And, yeah. and I do, I, I have never had broken rib, so I'm never going to say, like, oh, you should play through that. But there has been other people that have. Maybe this situation, maybe the rib is in a place that is much different than somewhere else. Yeah. Maybe other broken ribs are the ones that Marilyn Manson took out down to bar. True. Could so be. he could yeah. potentially. Oh, yeah. And maybe this one's up closer, you know, to the, where the lungs can't are, to it. where the heart is. Can't, can't be dancing with the devil nope. up there. Because the rib cage is a large area. Oh, yeah. Sure. So we don't know what this injury necessarily is, but what we're saying is that the narrative that it wasn't an injury earlier in the week made him look very bad. And nobody got in front of that, which takes us all the way back to, I'm happy Aaron's finally getting in front of the narratives. You know That's what I right. mean? Mm-hmm. Because that wasn't something he always did. That's right. And uh, now he's doing it and people are pissed. Now that the world's opening back up, so many new thrills are on the horizon. Okay. And whether you've been in a relationship for years or just getting started, we're excited to get back out there and meet new people. Hell yeah. When the moment comes... It's not come too quick. Oh, <laughs> here we go. That is not what they had in their copy. Okay. <laughs> they should. That was, I think they're going in a different direction. So let's go back a sentence or two. Okay. Okay. When you, when the moment comes, you want to be ready. Hell That's yeah. true. Yeah. With Roman, you can get a free online evaluation and ongoing care for erectile dysfunction, Ooh. all from the comfort and privacy of your home. Once you take care of that, though, you get the Roman swipes, and guess what? Huh? Lasts a long time. Banging up, banging up, banging up. Yeah, it's Pete Alonzo at the all <laughs> yes. at the home run derby. That's Boom. right. Dingers. Downtown. Bingo. David <laughs> Population you, dude. Hell yeah. Roman ready equals confidence. The confidence that you know you can rise to the occasion in the moment. We're looking at the Summer of Love 2021 version, and Roman wants to make sure you can participate in your way. Whether that be as a single person or a couple who would still rather stay in with each other, a U.S. licensed healthcare professional will work with you to find the best treatment plan. If medication is appropriate, it ships to you for free with two-day shipping. Okay. That's huge. Free? 
the shipping's free. Wow. I believe. Not the... Not the yes, medication. Free no. two-day shipping. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, go to getrumman.com slash McAfee today, and if you're prescribed, you can get 50% off your first month of ED treatment. Okay. Go. That's G-E-T-R-O-M-A-N.com slash M-C-A-F-E-E. And if you're prescribed, you can get 50% off your first month of erectile dysfunction treatment. Make sure you're ready to have confidence and control this summer. Roman ready. Joining us now is a man that coached for 37 years. Wow. Jesus. Yeah, he's, he knows a lot of football. Mm-hmm. I got a chance to be on a team in which he was the head coach of. He started a Chuck Strong Foundation after his battle with leukemia that has raised millions and millions of dollars to combat cancer and cancer to fund cancer research. Ladies and gentlemen, great friend of the show, Coach Chuck Pagan. Yeah! Up, Morning, dude? guys. Hey, how are you? Really, really good. Hey, it's it a beautiful is, day in Idaho. It is a beautiful day over here, too. It's just drain, uh, drenching us right now. I yeah. mean, rain oh. is coming down in bunches over here in Indianapolis. We miss you here, obviously. Happy to hear it's a great day in Idaho. Let's get to some things that happen and some, you know, some Coach Chuck Pagano uh, insight that we don't normally have. Uh, just yesterday, okay, Pete Carroll came out, and I don't know if it was after the game or on a radio, he said, uh, in a long answer, he said, you know, I, w- I wish Russ would have been able to help us there. And I listened to it. There was no angst or hate in it at all. But obviously, the media immediately was like, why is Pete Carroll saying this about Russ? And he was just explaining the situation. Whenever you're speaking as a coach for the team, do you have to think about, like, the reaction of what your words are going to be, do you think? Like, do you think Pete had any idea that everybody was going to be like, oh, Pete hates Russ, especially after what happened this offseason do you have to think about that stuff and can you get caught up in the middle of that and not even really realize it yeah I, I think sometimes you can overthink that I think what it boils down to is that head coach uh, quarterback uh, relationship matter of fact your relationship with everybody on your ball team everybody in that locker room uh, Pete Carroll uh, Russ they know um, he's trying to get at and certainly there wasn't anybody with, you know, going in the second half of that game up 15 points that thought this thing should never have got to overtime in the first place. You know, and then secondly, you know, Pete, you know, speaks what's on his mind. You know, it's always after the fact, the Monday morning quarterback, we have a ch- chance to dive into it. The media has a chance to dive into it, dissect it, turn it into something that it's not. So as long as uh, Pete and Russ are on the same page, which it seems like they are, Again, I go back and I look and I say, you're up 15, you're 12th man, you're in Seattle, Tennessee's playing like crap. You know, there's no way they can come back and and force overtime and certainly win in overtime. Um, That's where we should have dissected the whole damn thing and said, hey, this should have never got to this point. Derrick Henry, that train started leaving the station in the second half in the third quarter, and that's kind of been their thing ever since Derrick Henry got there. It's like, hey, we're going to wear them down. We're going to wear them down. Opening week, week one, they weren't able to do that. This past week in Seattle, for whatever reason, the second half, Derrick Henry was able to pop off on some clips, and obviously that changes everything. In the conversation, though, with Pete Carroll and Russell Wilson, if you listen to it, there is zero, like, if you listen to the soundbite as opposed to just read it, it's much different, but obviously everything's going to get taken out of control. I want to ask you about another situation with coaching. The Saints 
were out like nine coaches or something like that. And Sean Payton afterwards did the classic coach speak like, you know, a lot of people are going to say without all your coaching staff, it's going to be hard to win a game, but we don't want to make any excuses or whatever. As a head coach, if you were out six of your coaches, is that something that's big enough and important enough and vital enough to your team to cause you your team to look completely different than it did week one? I mean, they look like a completely different squad week two than they did week one. And with the coaches coming back, is that a big enough thing to turn that thing back around? Or do you think that's just maybe how the Saints are going to be going forward? Yeah, I just think that, you know, you want your full complement of coaches uh, every game, Pat, obviously. Uh, missing six or seven guys, you know, um, there's going to be some other roles that have to be fulfilled, this, that, and the other. You know, Sean call, calls a play. Pete Carmichael was there. I don't know exactly which, you know, which coaches were missing. Um, you don't want to make excuses, so then don't bring it up, blah, blah, blah. Um, you know, seriously. But, you know, Bill Belichick has 10, 11 guys on his staff. You know, he's always been that way. Every, every staff in the National Football League seems to have, you know, 35 guys on it now. Where back in the day, they had a couple guys on offense, a couple guys on defense. They didn't water down anything, et cetera, et cetera. So you want to have your full complement of guys. Those guys are calling plays. You get in between, you're making adjustments. You want to have, you know, your assistant coaches going over the adjustments with each position group. So, uh, you know, there's a chance. But, you know, look at Green Bay week one to week two. Look at Buffalo. You know, they thought, okay, look, we got Pittsburgh at home week one. We're going to roll down, blah, blah, blah. Pittsburgh goes up there, beats the hell out of them. They go to Miami in week two and shut them out 35 to nothing. Two attack of Iowa gets hurt, all that stuff. Um, Pittsburgh, who would have thought? You know, the Raiders would be able to go into Pittsburgh, you know, and, and beat them coming off that win at Buffalo. If you, you can't, you'd be lying to me if you told me that, you know, hey, we all were on the Raiders, you know, uh, hey, you Chuck, know in week two. So Chuck, anything you, can happen. Chuck, why does that happen? Why, why does that happen? And I assume coaches are trying to figure it out as well as you continue to go. But there are times, and I've been a part of some teams, where you just go on a field and you look nothing like you normally do. Why do you think that happens? Is it just because we are humans and it's not a video game, so not everybody's waking up at 82 power or 90 power? Or do you think sometimes it's preparation or some teams have your number? What do you think it is that some teams just look very off some weeks and then great some weeks? All of the above. You know, you hit the nail on the head. All of the above. You know, success is way harder to handle uh, than defeat, than adversity. You know, because human nature steps in. Now, all these 2-0 and o teams, you know, the head coaches are thinking, okay, all they're talking about is, is complacency, 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 because we have our script. We know exactly what we're doing on Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, the weekly process, the preparation, all that stuff. That doesn't change, you know, but you have to show up in the National Football League because the teams that got beaten week one, hell no, you don't want to start, you know, 0-2 the season. So, you know, they're walking into a hornet's nest, you know, so to speak. So, you know, as a coach, you're sitting there talking about human nature, like you said, Hey, we all want to just exhale. We want to know. We're playing at home. This is going to be easy. We got there. The Raiders are who we think they are. Well, no, they're not because they don't believe that. They've got something to prove. They've got a huge chip on their shoulder. Gruden's going into year four. He's got to make the playoffs. He may have a 10-year contract, but, uh, you know, Mark Davis has more money than God. So, hey, you know, we're all on one-day contract. So, you know, know, it's, it's so hard. It's so, so hard to keep a team focused keep them uh, sticking to the process, chopping wood, all that good stuff. Hey, those cliches are a cliche for a reason because can 
competitive endurance is tough to do. So whenever you can put it into a word like, hey, just keep, we need to keep doing this. And you would always say, hey, we have a contract for today. That is it. And I think that changed maybe with your bout with leukemia. And I mean, still badass, by the way. Yeah. Was that 14 weeks? 14 weeks? How many weeks was it? 12. 12 weeks. Sorry about that. Sorry about that. I, I screwed you out of two weeks there. And you came back fiery. Too. I mean, he didn't come back like, oh, happy to be here. I mean, it was a much different ball game. It was great to see you. But I think that kind of changed through that process. Or is that how you always knew that the NFL was and how football is? Like, literally all we have is today. We have to get better today because if we're not, somebody else is. You would always preach that, preach that. Did that become more apparent, you think, through the leukemia battle? Or has that always been kind of your outlook on everything? No, I think going through that set of circumstances, um, you gain perspective. You understand, um, you know, just how fragile life is. I think we take for granted a lot of the great things in life that we have um, until they, uh, you don't have them. And your health being uh, first and foremost, number one. You don't have your health, uh, your faith, family, football, all that stuff, but you don't have your health. Um, it's going to be very, very hard. So uh, it gave me a better perspective. I've always had uh, a pretty good outlook, didn't take uh, any days for granted, but coming out of that had great perspective. And we all understand the National Football League. We know it's, you know, uh, what it stands for, not for long. Uh, we are on one day contracts, players, coaches, and it's a bottom line business. If you win, you stay, okay? If you lose, you're out. If, as a player, if you produce, you get a new contract. If you don't produce, you're out. It's simple and easy. There's no gray to that. That is fascinating because, you know, there are some situations where people are like, oh, this person got screwed, this person got screwed, and then they maybe end up somewhere else and they have success. It's like the NFL will figure it out. If you're good enough, the NFL will find you. And if you're good enough to produce, somebody will find you. And if you're not, they will get rid of you as quick as possible. The NFL is all about, hey, you need to get rid of the anchors and everything like that. couple more questions about the weekend here, Chuck. Frank Reich hates field goals. I, I mean, I, I think he hates them. Now, I appreciate that he's telling his team, hey, we're going to leave every – bullet on the field we're not gonna leave anything on chamber we're gonna go for it there's been a couple situations though that i think if he gets them he's a genius if not what are we doing we're looking back on that that seemed to have happened here the last couple weeks for frank if you're frank reich what are you thinking in those situations now going forward are you changing it all are you too far along what are your thoughts on the cold situation right now especially that one no, I think obviously they don't want to be sitting at 0-2 and uh, they've had their set of circumstances dealing with injuries, this, that, and the other. Uh, but we all know Frank's an aggressive coach. He's been an aggressive coach since he started there and he's continued to do that. You know, we have a bunch of analytics now to help us, you know, with the decision-making process when it comes to situational football, uh, especially fourth and goal at the one-yard line. You know, he sits there and, um, you know, first and goal second goal third you run it up the middle three straight times you know then you throw it on fourth down i think probably everybody you know obviously the rams had done their homework and sniffed out they ran what we call a swap boot Ooh, and if when, you, when you go for it like you said pat and you make it you know you're the genius and, and when you don't and it turns out where you get the sack and then they drive the length of the field and score a touchdown you're talking about a minimum of 10 14 point swing all the momentum, all the errors taken out of that, out of your team, out of the, out of the uh, Lucas Oil Stadium, all that stuff. So um, that early in the game, Pat, I just think that if you come away with some points that early in the game, you don't know what's going to happen the next 
55 minutes of that football game. How would you like to have been up seven instead of four at the end of the game there when they had when the Rams got the ball back after that, you know, crazy-ass punt play, you know, and the personal protector jumping over right in the path of the long snapper? I mean, that one got me off the hook, I think. You know, when they keep showing that, <laughs> that egregious <laughs> fake punt, that egregious uh, fake punt. That's funny. Oh, no, that didn't get me off the hook. Here's what happens. So, because somebody makes a food bar, you know, in the special teams. So what they do is they go back and show my play. Yes. Again, show our play. Again, yes. And then show that one. So, you know, I want to call the special teams coach up in, uh, up in uh, Cowboy Land. You know, Bones, hey, what are you doing, Bones? You know, this little deal, why is the PP going left and not right? But, you know, those fourth down situations, when you make them, boy, you are a hero because everybody wants to be aggressive. Let's go for it. Let's go for it. And you don't get it. Why the hell didn't you kick a field goal, Frank? Yeah. I mean, Monday morning quarterbacks, it's fun. Yeah, and that's what you sign up for, I guess. You told me this a couple times, numerous times. That's what you sign up for whenever you're coaching in the NFL is for a very passionate fan base who, and maybe gamblers even that have a lot of ideas and opinions on the moves that you made. You just got to hope that they work out and be the hero. And on that play you're referring to, you see at the bottom there on the screen it says Coach Chuck Pagano. Can you see that on your side? Yes, sir. So on the, when they run that show or when they run that play, there's only one name across the bottom of that, brother. Don't you worry about it. I, I, it's Pat McAfee right there. <laughs> it is Pat McAfee punting right there across the bottom. My name is the only one associated with that on the internet, so I think that's good news. We both went down swinging, though. Hey, we went for it. It just didn't work out. If it would have worked out, you'd be an absolute genius. Another thing, uh, why does Belichick? Always have this record against rookie quarterbacks. You were a defensive coach, a successful defensive coach, I think an aggressive defensive coach for a long time. Why is that always something heralded? And how come not all people are great against rookie quarterbacks? What is it about Belichick and his scheme that he runs or what he does that like rookie quarterbacks have no chances? Zach Wilson threw four picks, probably could have thrown six or seven, and it was the storyline. How come it's not like that for everybody, Chuck? I think number one, because he's done it so many times over, those rookie quarterbacks always go in. It's it's kind of like you manifest that thing in your own mind. They go in saying, "Oh shit, it's Belichick, it's the Patriots. He's done this to, to and, you know, and I'm probably going to throw four picks, and you know, game's over. Sixty minutes is off the clock, and yeah, Zach, you threw four picks. Um, Belichick, as we know, you know, he doesn't ever say, "Hey, I'm a four-three, I'm a three-four." Uh, I'm a double eagle, bare front, this, that, and the other. It was always with Bill, it was always the defense of the week, game plan of the week. He was going to do offense, defense, and special teams, what he needed to do to win that game versus that team versus that quarterback. So what he does is, you know, he's going to give Zach, you know, a bunch of stuff that he is not prepared for and that he has not seen. And then they go in at halftime, and figure out and say, okay, this is what he's doing. This is who they're taking away. This is your reads. This is your progressions. And then you go out in the second half and you think you got to figure it out. And he's always saved something for the second half. Might be a new front, a new coverage, a new pressure. And so um, the guy has done that forever and ever. Um, the best in the business. Uh, you know, got a ton of respect for Coach Belichick. But he continues to do this. And with veteran quarterbacks, he gets veteran quarterbacks. You know, so the rookies really 
uh, really, really struggle against this guy. How come everybody – it's a copycat league. And thank you, by the way, for that incredible breakdown there. It's nice to hear that from another head coach in the league who had to actually prepare against the man. But how come other – it's a copycat league. How come other people don't do that? Is it just because you would have to have Bill's brain then to be able to come up with every single week? How come there isn't more of that happening, especially with the amount of success that we've seen them have, you think, in your eyes? I think, you know, when it comes down to building a team and building a roster and having a philosophy – you know, they've had one, and it's been the same forever and ever and ever. And so um, they go out and they get a bunch of football players that are, you know, have high football IQ, high football character. And so he gets a bunch of guys on the defensive side that have a ton of versatility. So when you go line up, it isn't like, you know, especially on third down, where when you look at a lot of the teams in the league, you look at defenses that I ran, you know, hey, on first and second down and base, they're a 3-4 outfit. You know, Khalil's going to be the outside linebacker on this side. Uh, Robert Quinn's going to be outside linebacker on this side. You know, you're going to have Eddie Goldman down the middle. Hakeem is over. So that's never with Bill. You know, he gets a group of players and really, really smart football players and a bunch of good players and a bunch of athletes, and then they start mixing these guys around. When I was in Baltimore, you know, and I started to learn under Rex Ryan when I first got there in 2008, we had a ton of really good football players on defense. We had a bunch of smart football players. And we would run a bunch of pressures that we would put in one week, and then the next week we'd run the same exact pressure, but Jared Johnson and Sizzle, T. Suggs, would just switch, and the jersey numbers would do this, and it totally screw up the offense because they're supposed to, okay, when he's over here, he's over here, this is what you're going to get, and they switch like this, and then all of a sudden they switch to protection, and they go, righty, 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 roger, roger, roger. Oh, really, an R word. Okay, so the center is going to the right. That's your left, sis. So we used to mess around with sis. We had to put L and R in his hand. So now, you know, you're sitting there, and they're overthinking it, and, and we get them with that stuff. So uh, he's done a masterful job, you know, always uh, utilizing uh, his talent to just mix things up and not give you the same presentation week after week after week. Ball so hard university was fucking. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I loved, I mean, T says one of the most electrifying players to ever come into the league. That defense you guys had flying around was awesome. Rex Ryan, what a human. Is that when the, um, was that when the stand up, everybody's standing up defense started? Because uh, Peyton was diving into it a little bit with Ray uh, on the Monday Night Football game with the Ravens or whatever just this past weekend or two weeks ago. They were talking about how the defense would stand up and you had no idea who was linebacker, who was D-line. Was that all the way back then as well or is that something that's kind of new? Because they were talking about it as if it, like this is a game changer almost for everybody. No, absolutely. He's been doing that for a long time. We call it the exotics. You know, you get Orlowski on Diva talking about the exotics they're going to run on, on third down, the pressures, right? And and that's an exotic for sure. I mean, he'd have the whole defense. And you know what the best thing was is the players loved it. Yes. You know, because we, we ran this uh, hey, diddle, diddle, three up the middle blitz, you know, and that was that was we had both backers mugged up in there and we dropped both ends and, and Eddie Reed would come up and follow the two backers up the middle and he would stand everybody up and run the same pressure. We'd line up in it, and then the next time we'd stand everybody up and have everybody moving around. And you got DBs on the line of scrimmage. You got Haloti Nada. You got Sizz. You got all these other big guys that are off the line of scrimmage, off the ball, standing up in two-point you know, uh, stances. And the quarterback, especially a young one, is sitting there looking over the landscape and trying to figure out, okay, who's the mic? I have no fucking idea. Who <laughs> you can tell me, hey, I, I know Mike so and so is is you know he plays for them. But I can't tell you who 
you know, because the Mike is the mil- the guy in the middle of the three guys off the ball. You know, you have a nickel, a Mike, and a dime on on third down, say on eleven personnel. Who's the Mike? No friggin' idea. So they just go, okay, check, check, slide the whole protection this way, put the back over to the left edge, and hope for the fucking best. Well, that, Eli actually said that happened. Eli yeah. actually said he pointed at Ray and said he's the Mike, and Ray said I'm not the Mike on this play. <laughs> and Eli goes, you're right, you're right. It's uh, he had a 0.0 QBR, but to run a defense like that, everybody has got to be on the same page. That's got to be a full string there. There has to be so much confidence and comfort with everybody. It's incredible to see a great defense fly around. Uh, Ty has a question for you, Coach. Yeah, Coach, uh, the other night, there was a report from a couple beat writers in the uh, Packers game that at halftime, Matt LaFleur went up to his defensive coordinator, Joe Barry, and basically said, like, hey, either you need to get pressure or you need to play you know, better coverage. Is that largely horseshit, or did that ever happen while you were a D coordinator where you know, your, your head coach came up and quote-unquote lit a fire under your ass for the second half? No, that's real. No, that, that's happened. Um, I wish some of the guys that did it to me were that nice. You know, um, but but no, that Ty, that's a great question, and and that's real. And um, you know, being the head coach and and watching things, and and you know, kind of being on the on the bench, so to speak, they've got some great perspective on things. And and the guys that I've worked for, um, you know, Coach Nagy last in Chicago, um, you know, John Harbaugh in Baltimore. A lot of times they see things that we can't see during the heat of the battle series to series you go in at halftime and say okay look i think th- this is what they're doing and maybe we need to do this that and the other change some things here so um yeah no they um there's been some there's been some other discussions where you know you're just getting throttled you know and you know hey we need to stop them well, no shit <laughs> we're trying everything we're trying everything we can do to stop these mofos and and right now they're on fire and we're not doing so damn good i wish you would have just responded i i agree man <laughs> yeah all right i'll go tell them i'll go tell them in there you know that's, go- a, that's a great point <laughs> uh go ahead connor uh yeah chuck on uh the point about fourth downs and going for it harbaugh actually asked lamar jackson at the end of the game if he wanted to go for it is that something you like to see or do you think the coach would kind of make that decision on his own no, I, I love that, and I, I love when, you know, you, you go to your best players, you know, and you go to Superman, Lamar Jackson, and say, hey, you want to go for it? And Lamar, you want to go for it? You know, it just it, it's just ownership uh, and everything, the trust uh, that you have uh, in your players. I mean, all that does is, is, is build on uh, that relationship and that trust, you know, and, and saying, hey, this is your team. You've, do, you've got us to this point. You've won this game pretty much single-handedly. You want the rest of it, you know, in your hands. Absolutely. And and the other thing is, like Lamar's going to say no. Oh no, coach, let's punt. God damn. I mean, Lamar's got to get this damn thing off his back, you know, uh, which we all know he's 0-3, you know, against the Chiefs, and and finally they got the lead, and for sure he's going to want to go for it. And they had a great, uh, you know, fourth and one, you know, call dialed up. Um, you know, a hundred guys over to the left side, the defense's right side, and run power O, and 
all this other stuff unbalanced and it was it was it was great i love seeing that uh mark andrews joined us earlier he's a stud patrick ricard absolute stud lamar jackson's an alien and harbaugh knew they were going for it right but he just this is one of those things like with a quarterback from a coach like hey i try this guy needs to know that i do want his input like they're probably going for because he said he told a story afterwards in the locker room that everybody behind him was like we're going we're going we're going and then harbaugh asking lamar i think that was like a display of like hey I would like your input on this thing, which is kind of what's going on in Green Bay. Mm-hmm. Uh, hour three is on the other side of this Sirius XM break. All right, we're still live on YouTube, Chuck. Uh, and we can't thank you enough for joining us right now. We're not on Sirius XM. We're still live on YouTube. And whenever – I've told this story before, but I've never gotten your side of this whole thing. And whenever you watch Aaron Rodgers, I assume like everybody else, and we've got a chance to chat, you're like, okay, this guy is a brainiac. Like, like not just a football IQ guy. Like, this guy is one of the smartest humans of all time. You actually had a chance to coach, like, one of the smartest humans to ever play in the NFL and Andrew Luck. And I've told this story before where the first day he got to OTAs because he had to get his degree in architectural engineering, which I think is a bazillion dollar paying job. Oh, yeah. I think it's a big one. He had to graduate at Stanford even after being the number one pick, so he showed up a little bit late. Allegedly, the story goes that he checked, he made a check in the OTAs in the walkthrough, like the first one he was at, that the rest of the team didn't even know what it was. It was his first day on the practice field, his first day of practice, and he like checked out of a blitz. Was it at that moment? Was that true? And it was it at that moment you're like, okay, we got like we got the guy. Like, is that immediately how that thing happened? And did that thing actually happen with Andrew Luck? Yeah, it, it happened, and uh, you know, uh, it just everything that we knew in the pre-draft process, what we've heard about Andrew flying out there with Coach Clyde and and uh, and BA and and doing that, and obviously because of the NFL rules and and graduation day. I mean, the guy couldn't come to OTAs and practice, and I think that rule is, is like, ridiculous. You know, Andrew probably had that architectural engineering degree or whatever it was before he ever enrolled at Stanford, you know. So, <laughs> Jesus, Lord, you know, half – all everybody – all that, what is there in the draft? 253, 255 players through seven rounds drafted. 90% of them are in, in school in the spring semester. They're off working out with you know in Florida and Texas and California getting ready for the draft. So – Anyway, yeah, so he shows finally shows up, and he's missed the lion's share of the whole offseason. No offseason program, no OT. He's made one rookie minicamp, and then he's gone. And he finally shows up. We get out to practice, and we're like you said, we're, we're in a walkthrough, and B.A. calls a play, and he goes to the line of scrimmage. He's getting everything set up, and all of a sudden it was alert, alert, opposite, opposite, makes us check. And T.Y., Reggie, Dwayne Allen, everybody in the back, you know, we had the whole offense over here, the whole defense over here, three lines and chains. I spent the whole day, get the F back, get the F back. I was the get back coach. And all of a sudden he rips out this this check, check, alert, alert, you know, and changes the whole play, changes the protection. You know, we go from a run to pass, pass to run, and there and everybody's like, Did he what the fuck did he just say? And what is that? We had to we had to blow the whistle, get him back in the huddle, because nobody knew what he was checking to. And we're figuring, okay. This guy is a genius. He is a brainiac. And, you know, so we just eventually put so much on his plate because he could handle it, you know. But it was it was crazy. Great story. B.A., though. B.A., they don't fucking know that yet, yeah. Andrew. Like, just B.A. Oh, yeah. He started he started MF and, you know, everybody, you know, because none of the coaches had it on their deal for the install. It was nowhere near the install, you know. And he's like, get in the fucking huddle. <laughs> <laughs> Damn. 
And, he, you know, he'd always go like this. Goddamn rookie motherfucker. B.A. You know, poor T.Y. And, and Dwayne didn't know the check. <laughs> oh, my God. That year was amazing. What a run. What an absolute run. What a crew of humans. And uh, I was incredibly lucky to play for your team, Coach. We appreciate you every single week. I think we got one last question here from uh, COVID Cowboy Italian Tone. Uh, Coach, I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you. Sunday, when I'm making my gravy, when I'm making my sauce. Here we go. Do you have any tips? Do you have any pasta recommendations to go with it? Oh, hell yeah. Now we're talking my language right here. Yeah. Hey, so... You make your so we do the homemade meatballs, and then to real quick the sauce. What do we do with the sauce? We make the homemade meatballs. We bake those a little bit, half done, before we put them in the suku. We call the gravy the suku, the sauce. Yeah. All right. So I, I I saute some garlic in a nice uh, olive oil, virgin olive oil. Saute garlic oh, yeah. and onions. All right, and then I put a can of uh, tomato paste. Uh, crushed peppers in there, peeled, or excuse me, crushed tomatoes, peeled tomatoes, chop those up. I saute all that. Put a little Italian sausage in there, saute that. And then over on the other side, I got the big pot, you know, where we put all the tomato sauce, uh, seasoning, all the spices, and then we add what I sauteed into that, and then we add the meatballs in there, and then we let that cook for four or five, you know, hours. You got to start early. Low and slow. And then by by three, four o'clock, five o'clock, you know, getting ready for Sunday night football, me and you. Now you pour yourself a nice glass of, <laughs> hey, you pour yourself a nice glass of Chianti, a nice red, a cab, whatever you whatever you like, and, and what a great meal. And put those Ferragamos on and just have a night. I'll tell you what, your Italianness just got tested and you fucking <laughs> overrun, dude. Yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, Coach Chuck Pagano, we appreciate yeah. you. Yeah. There you go. As truck owners, we were sick and tired of our stuff rattling around back in the bed. Yeah. It was all over the place, unorganized, and even worse, it was just laying out there exposed to the elements and any scumbag walking by. Mm-hmm. That's why we got decked. Yeah. yeah. We're partnering with Deck to give one of you guys a deck drawer system for free. I'll tell you how to enter this contest in a minute, but first, here's why we love Decked. Decked makes organizing, accessing, protecting, and securing everything you need so much easier in the bed of your truck. Each of Deck's two full bed length drawers can carry up to 200 pounds of whatever you got. The drawers roll out waist high, giving you easy access to your organized tools and gear. The Deck drawer system is weatherproof, what? 100% made in the USA, what? and backed by a three year no hassle warranty with a second to none customer service team ready to answer all of your questions now hey pat how do i win one yeah great question aj now about that contest here's how to enter for your chance to win a decked drawer system for your truck go to decked.com slash mcafee that's d-e-c-k-e-d dot com slash m-c-a-f-e-e to enter for your chance to win a decked drawer system decked.com slash mcafee no purchase necessary void where prohibited see site for details that's decked.com slash mcafee d-e-c-k-e-d dot com slash m-c-a-f-e-e C-A-F-E-E, and you can win this fabulous bed liner called Debt that makes everything easy to use, and you don't have to have a bunch of Rambo jamble in the back. Hell yeah! Didn't know if 
people that would want the decked bed would actually listen to the show or go to a website to potentially win a free one. Not 100% sure if that's a big pickup truck driving person thing to do, but I want to let you know it has made trucks a lot better around this office. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. Hey, it's tough, too. You know what Bad I mean? Ass. Yeah, it's Durable. Hey, Does it you... fit all size? Yeah. Fit all size trucks? Yeah, so actually that was quite like an Philly's issue. baby truck and Diggs's big monster Whoa. truck. Whoa! So Diggs doesn't have a monster truck. He's got a 15-gallon tank or whatever in his truck, but that's the... What is it? 23. Really? Mm -hmm. Oh, see, in my head, it was a 15-gallon. I thought it was just a little baby boy. It might be 15 gallons less than yours. Oh, but, no, mm. no, no, no. Good truck, then. Your truck is beautiful. I thought it was a little baby gallon. I thought, honestly, I think because they were saying it was a Mickey Mouse truck. People that was, saying, no, that's Bill. Bill was saying that, Bill, yeah. Bill was saying that about your truck. Yeah. Oh, because Bill's got that great truck. Yeah, nine-gallon tank Toyota. on Bill's. What's that, dude? Toyota. Are you all right? Not a Ford. That's for sure. Well, wow. Toyota actually turns out Toyota is actually like the most American-made car it, it, that there is. Yeah, it Mostly wasn't in the built state Ford of India. Tough though. Well, well yeah, Ford Tough has been. But anyways, AJ, thanks for causing that conversation to go the way it did. But yeah, there's five and a half foot, six and a half foot, four and a half. Right. They have they have the different sizes of your bed. It was actually a massive mistake. Uh, they asked me what size my bed was, and they gave me. Couple size options. I'm like, it's a big one. Give me that one. And it gets here. It is not. Uh, <laughs> it is not that large, actually. There is much larger sized bed, I guess. So we fucked that up. But you go to deck.com slash McAfee. You could win one, and we appreciate decked so much. I just signed up. Joining us now is an absolute legend <laughs> of a man. The last time we chit chatted with him, he said, hey, I'm going to send you guys some stuff. And he did. A workout machine. I don't know what the course record is. I might have had it, though. I was punching the shit out and kicking the shit out of that oh, thing. Yeah. He sent us some gloves from Sign from Diamond Dustin Poirier, a bunch of Venom stuff, UFC stuff, a couple bags. We can't thank you enough for your time and your gifts. It is being used properly, ladies and gentlemen. The president of, C, uh, of UFC, Dana White. Yeah! What's up, dude? What's up, buddy? How are you? Hey, what's the high score on that thing? I, I was punching the shit out of it. You know, I was punching the hell out of that thing. I was going to town on it. That thing's beautiful. Yeah, we're, we, it, it, it's it's like I told you, it's in design still. We're still playing with it and, and trying to make it better. But uh, I, I knew you'd have some fun with it. Yeah. And, and it's fun because you can punch it without gloves on. It feels good. Yeah, so I didn't have gloves on. Everybody was telling me I was supposed to punch a cross or whatever. And you, I think anytime you have one of those, there's metal behind there. So I didn't want to happen to do that. But I was unloading on those things, and the hands were completely fine. So I just want to thank you for all the gifts. You're a very nice man. The pleasure. Yeah, that's one of the things we need to fix. You can't throw hooks on it yet. we got to fix the hook. Oh, so I was right. Everybody on the internet was wrong. I fucking thought so. Yeah, never would have guessed. Never would have guessed that was the case. Uh, <laughs> how are you doing? How's life? Haven't chatted with you in a bit. What's life like over in the UFC? I know we got a big fight card coming up. We'll get to it. But what's life like for you? Everything good? Everything's good, man. I just uh, I just spent the weekend in Boston and uh, oh, yeah. flew back in yesterday for the Contender Series and getting ready for the fights this weekend, man. Everything's good. Hey, fuck it. Friday has become one of my favorite things. I, too, like to eat ridiculous shit. Are you cooking that? And why don't we have ghost kitchens yet for DoorDash on all the fucking Friday food that you... I think you had a Fruity Pebble French toast that, that I, like, almost died at, and then there was a burrito burger, I think, that everybody was trying to do. <laughs> that has become a great series in there, Dana. You know what's crazy? So, fuck it Friday has become so big. I actually got a, a, a show on the Food Network. Let's go! So there is shit happening. Yeah, it's, it's eight episodes. I start filming soon, and it's called Fuck It Friday. 
What do they put a star asterisk? What what is it? How are they going to do that? Or I don't know how they're going to do it. They're, they're going to have to figure that out. <laughs> That's what they wanted to go with. So we're going with fucking Friday. And uh, yeah, I'm a foodie. I love eating all different types of food, um, trying different stuff. So um, it's fun for me. It's I, I just started out just doing it as for fun. Oh, Damn. look at that burrito burger. Oh. There. It's like a Crunchwrap Supreme almost, it looks like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what it's a knock off of the Crunchwrap Supreme. Oh, so that's the fucking Friday uh, method is the knockoff of all the other shit. Let's make it a little better. <laughs> you know what? It's a fucking Friday started with uh, eating. I, I, I ate a fried chicken sandwich and donuts. It was donuts oh. with a fried oh. chicken sandwich in it. Then from there, we went to the, uh, what came out at that time? The, the Taco Bell uh, Cheeto burrito oh, yeah. thing, you know. So I had my guys make it here, and and you know that's how it really all got started. What's life like? You just have your own chefs now. At the hey, by the way, congratulations! Yeah, just slapdick from Boston. You know, great work ethic. Boxing goes over to UFC. Figures out a way to buy a company that you see the future of. It goes on to become worth billions of dollars. Now you got your own chef fucking knocking off Taco Bell. <laughs> Good for you, dude. Yeah. Good for <laughs> you, dude. That's yeah. awesome. It doesn't suck. Yeah, uh, it suck. this fight card coming up this weekend's a big one. I mean, I, we literally just started going through it, and obviously, everybody knows about Volkanovski and Ortega, but the entire lineup seems to be sweet. What should we be looking forward to? Diaz Lawler get Diaz is it? Diaz Lawler <laughs> getting back in? Is that a five rounder like his brother had for no championship, or are they doing three rounds there? It is. It is a five rounder. Here we go. Um, and uh, it's five rounds. You know, obviously. I don't, I, you know, we're going to find out Nick hasn't fought in a while, but one thing we know about the Diaz brothers is they always come to fight. So um, that should be fun. I, obviously, Valentina Shevchenko is an absolute savage. Every time she fights, it's, 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 it's unbelievable. What I like about Lauren Murphy is Lauren Murphy's got a bunch of knockouts and submissions uh, in, in her win. So, you know, for women at, at that weight to actually knock out other women, uh, it's tough to do, and Lauren's been on a roll, so that should be a fun fight. And then Alexander Volkanovsky versus Brian Ortega is an absolute war. So, uh, great card, card this weekend. How when you, when you go about, and I know you're probably in. I don't know if you're in the room where you actually do the fight matchups and everything like that. You're always having to figure that thing out. Whenever you see like a guy on a 19 fight win streak or whatever, and then you get a chance to put him up against Ortega, like is that like does a light bulb go off? Is it like hey, this is a win, or do you have to get the fighters to agree to it beforehand, or do you do you schedule the fights and then you reach out to the fighters? How does the whole process behind the scenes work with that whole thing? Yeah, so I'm in the war room right now. This is where we make all the fights. This is where I spend most of my day. And, um, you know, we put together the fights that, 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 that need to happen, that should happen, and then we reach out to the fighters and, and, and make the deals. But, yeah, every, I mean, every weekend, like this Saturday, the absolute best fighters in the world in each weight class will face off and fight each other. Then on Tuesday on, you know, my contender series, we find the best unsigned fighters on the planet, and we match them up in each weight class. I mean, every time you tune into the UFC, you're watching the absolute best in the world, um, you know, fighting. And Patty the Batty, uh, who has become one of everybody's favorite humans, the scouser with the incredible accent. I think he was burning a Marlboro Red on the front porch last <laughs> yeah, night on his like Instagram. It. You know, and he ate punches, and we had him on the show, and he actually said, like, 
He was waiting to get to the UFC because he didn't think he was ready yet. He didn't think he was ready. Then he comes in there, and one of his weapons is like just eating punches. Like his face is a weapon. And for you, that has to be a dream, right? Whenever you have a guy like that, and whenever you have other fighters, is that what the Contender Series is for? Like, hey, who could potentially be lightning for us? Who could potentially going to be champion? And when you see a guy like Patty, how how do you resist the urge of not being like, all right, let's fucking put this guy, let's go to England and put this guy in a main event? Like, how do you resist that urge? When do you know when it's right and when it's not? Yeah, well, obviously, you got to look at their record. You got to look at who they fought in their last couple of fights. And uh, and you bring them in, and there's only one way to find out who's really ready and who's not. And nothing is more perfect than finding out if somebody's ready or not than the Contender Series. Uh, whenever people come fight in the Contender Series, are they under the impression that they could win a UFC contract? Because everybody remembers the Ultimate Fighter. That was a game changer. Oh, yeah. hey, the Ultimate Fighter was a game changer. I mean, I think that introduced MMA to people that maybe would have never got into it because it's more of like a reality show, plus there's fights in there. So I thought it was great. Do people go into the Contender Series with the mindset like, hey, we're going to get a UFC contract if we win on the other side? Yeah, or, or, well, they is, know. You know, we, we call it. Uh, the ultimate job interview. You know, you come in and you have to perform. And the other thing that I love about it is that the amount of pressure that these fighters are under. That's the other thing. Can you handle the pressure of being in here and performing under this unbelievable amount of pressure? So it is the perfect formula to find out who's ready and who's not. Hey, whenever you have that, like, billionaire's row, almost, at every UFC event, right? It, it seems like on the hard camera side, obviously, there's just a slew of people who have been very successful in their life. It's become the new thing. Like, hey, if you get MGK and uh, Megan Fox and then Travis and uh, Courtney, and it's become the new thing, the it thing, to be at UFC fights. Is that something you did on purpose, or is this them reaching out to you as fans saying, hey, is there any way I can get in there? I assume that's a, not an easy ticket to give out or to get. And if you piss somebody off, I assume there's a little bit of a dance in that whole thing, Dana, or no? Well, people reach out, and uh, people reach out and, and ask for tickets. Yeah, so there's, there's three different sections. So Billionaire's Row was at the McGregor fight. So the last McGregor fight, you, you'll see the section behind me where I sit, that, that's that's my section right there, okay? Off to the left, where you see the fighters, where, where, where they're all sitting, and, uh, you know, guys will walk up to the octagon and walk in, there's fighters there. So when Connor fought, I had to cut the media section in half, and I built what was called Billionaire's Row. Everybody in, in the first three rows there were all billionaires. Jeez. Hey, that's pretty good for business. Yeah, that's pretty good for business, Zunk. That is good news over there. Um, when you think of like a Conor McGregor, and then you see like Sugar Sean is gaining some buzz, and Patty has some buzz. That's you need that, right? That is something that the UFC needs. And are you always trying to build those? And do you watch like WWE to see like how, or, or did you learn anything from WWE on how they, or is that kind of like the fighters? Like Connor is an incredible promoter. Sugar Sean is an incredible promoter. Patty is an incredible promoter. Is that kind of on them, you think? Or is it kind of like a partnership to build these megastars that do create these billionaire road type situations? Yeah, so what happens is, you, you know, obviously we're, we're looking the first and foremost thing that we're looking for is talent. Can you fight here? Can, can, are, are you good enough? Can you fight? Then, if you have the personality of, of one of those type of guys, it's just, it's just a home run. And obviously, um, you know, we know how strong they are. We know uh, how many people are watching. You know, I, I, I go through the ratings 
and break down every single uh, hour of a fight, you know, and we know who, who, who pops and who doesn't. So uh, there's a lot of a lot of things that are involved in going into to, to figuring out where somebody is placed on the card and uh, how they draw. Yeah, do you want to lead off with hot heat and then end with heat, right? Is that kind of the, the plan when you're yeah, shaping? Yeah, you want to open the show with, with a pop, and you hopefully want the show to end with a pop. And what I'm looking for is when I put on a fight card, I'm looking for three or four holy shit moments where everybody, whether you're at the arena or you're at home, everybody jumps out of their seat and looks at each other and goes, holy shit! <laughs> you know, there's that whole, you know, that, that energy that happens with that moment. I'm looking for three or four of those per card. Well, Diaz and Lawler are going to give you at least two of those. Oh, yeah. 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 That feels like that is obviously set up, and then Volkovsky obviously can go. And go ahead, Ty. We're talking to Dana White, obviously. Thank you for your time right now, Dana. You're the man. Go ahead, Ty. Dana, obviously you guys have the events at T-Mobile or MGM and, and all that kind of stuff. Are there any plans to have maybe like a year-end card at Allegiant Stadium? Um, and also, like, have you noticed any more of a buzz in Vegas with the Raiders being there now, or are you so busy that you don't really see any of that shit? Yeah, no, um, I, I don't know. You know, we'll, we'll see what, what fights materialize over the rest of the year. Um, but you're talking 70,000 seats. Yeah. Um, and to kind of to create the kind of energy and buzz that I like in a fight, you know, you've you got to sell the place out. So I, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see how that plays out. And yes, you know, when you drive to work here in, in Vegas, everybody has either a Raider license plate, Raider stickers on their car, or the Golden Knights uh plate and gold night stickers on their car so um vegas has become a massive sports town this place is going crazy uh you know for, for any kind of sporting event right i think this weekend we got ufc the nfl uh, may, may, uh hockey is uh is like preseason. nascar is this weekend oh yeah look at vegas so what am I forgetting? probably a fucking ping pong match <laughs> i mean everything sports is happening here this weekend you know vegas a place that never had sports yeah had unlv that was it everybody was scared of vegas because of the gambling and now that sports books are kind of going it feels like it's going to become a destination place more and more and that raiders team feels like it's the perfect vibe for las vegas it just feels like it was perfect and obviously the vegas golden knights lose mark andre Fleury. Oh, so yeah. i mean it. Who knows what's going to happen with them? Penguins probably going to win the fucking Stanley Cup. I mean, maybe and yeah, Vegas is a great host city, man. Always has been, always will. But you still talk to the Fertitta brothers much? All the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All the time. Are they completely out of the business? Did they get? They just did. Are they completely out of the business? Or are they still a part? I saw them at a fight, I think, and and they were the connection to Vegas, I think, for you, right? Immediately. Yeah, yeah. They're, they're you know, uh, still talking. I met with them last week. Uh, you know, it, I'm in a lot of different business deals with them. You know, still from from <laughs> from, uh, from the past and some that we've done recently, um, and uh, you know th those guys are my guys. We'll, we'll, we'll be together till the day we die. And uh, but yes, the answer is they still still invested and and. In, in, uh, and, and our stock, they, they own some of the stock. So Yeah, they have to be pumped about what Vegas has become. I think they're lifers, right? They were born and raised there. And now being part of the UFC, which brought a lot of life to Vegas, and then now with all the things, that has to feel pretty great. Go ahead, Connor. Yeah, Dana, uh, did you reach out to Connor McGregor after he threw out a first pitch that hit uh, the 10th row last night at a uh, no. baseball park or not? No, and, and, and you know what? You know how many times I've been offered to do that, and I'm like, fuck, no. I'm not doing that. <laughs> it, it's like... Every guy out there thinks that they can fucking fight, and they can't. 
and every guy thinks that they could go out there and throw a fucking a pitch from, from, from the mound to home plate and think it's easy. That shit ain't easy. And uh, you, you realize how easy it isn't when people go out and actually try to do it. I think he tried to. He had to have yeah. tried to throw he, that into the stadium. He lost gun. <laughs> I yeah. mean, he had to have tried to. I mean, he had to have at this point. What is your relationship like with Connor? Is there just a mutual respect? Are you friends? What is, What do you think right now? How would you judge? Yeah, it? yeah. We, we we have we have we have a very very good relationship, and uh, you know, C- Connor's been been massive for the UFC and massive for the sport. Um, you know, in the fight business, when you become as rich and as famous as Connor has, as fast as Connor has, things happen. You know? <laughs> yeah. and, and, and sometimes, you know, even around here, because I, I, I got some guys that work for me, and, you know, because this sport is, you know, has a martial arts base, you know, these people are, 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 are all good people, the families, but. Let's let's never forget. This isn't fucking IBM, okay? This isn't Microsoft. We're we're in the fight business. I got seven hundred fucking maniacs under contract, uh, and let me tell you what, shit happens sometimes. Yeah, and by the way, you have to be to go into a cage. I mean, the the yep. the, the, the whole whenever people start talking about some people, and, and like football players sometimes get this as well. Not me, obviously, because I was a partner, but other football players like, oh, he said some mean things or whatever. It's like, what do you think is going out there and putting a helmet on and running his face into somebody at 25 miles an hour? Like, there might be some shit that might come alongside that person. You just got to hope that they continue to grow as a human in that whole thing. In the history of the fight business, everybody hates everybody. I hate everybody, and everybody hates me. And we all fight and argue, and you know, I, I got now now Jake Paul's in here and he's talking shit, and I talk shit about him. And then uh, I hate Oscar De La Hoya. Oscar De La Hoya hates me. I hate that little weasel at Showtime, fucking Espinosa, that little scumbag. <laughs> and then uh, he hates me, and you know, that's this business. We're 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 in the mean, nasty business. It's and, con- you it's- know, I, I deal with that with the reporters sometimes. Did you hear what he said about him? <laughs> What do you think he's going to say about him? This is we're in the the meanest business on planet Earth. It's the way it goes. It's a conflict. Up and up. It's a conflict business. That's what it is. Actually, a conflict business. To, exactly. The biggest conflict business yeah. of all time. Last question here for you. We can't thank you enough for your time. Go ahead, Diggs. Dana, we had mentioned the sports books and Vegas. Do do you know if like fighters go in like they know how much of an underdog or how much they are a favorite, and do they use that as motivation going to a fight? Do you know that at all? Well, it's, it's exactly like he was just saying. You know, gambling in sports was, was like taboo 10 years ago. Now it's all coming together. And, yeah, I mean, we, we did the Contender Series last night. Before your fight comes up, these kids are watching in the back while they're warming up, and you see what the odds are. I mean, some of these kids are 3-1 to one underdogs. Last night a kid was a 2-1 to one underdog, and he won the fight. So, um, yeah. The answer is yes. <laughs> hey, there is the last thing before we let you go, and obviously can't thank you. I know you're a busy fucking guy, especially with all these side projects you go with the routine. <laughs> God damn. Hey, whenever we Google Dana White's net worth, let's remember that there is some cooking potential. <laughs> there's fucking Friday on the cooking network, okay? Yeah. Then there's also some other businesses. Incredible work by you, sir, obviously becoming a success. Whenever you see other leagues, like there's potentially another league being started up. And obviously Bellator had a buzz there for a while. Is that something for you to pay attention to? Or do you just kind of like, if we do what we do, it, nothing else matters? Yeah, listen, I love it. There's no barrier to entry to get into this business, man. So many guys have, have, have tried to get into the fight business. 
or are in the fight business from Donald Trump, Mark Cuban, you name it. I mean, so many different guys have jumped in. It's a fun business. I, I, I get it. Um, but, yeah, no, all, all I do is I stay focused on what I'm doing, what I have to do, and uh, and me and my people. That's, that's, that's all I worry about. Well, you seem to be doing a great job, and I can't wait to watch UFC 266 this weekend. What time is first fight? Uh, the first fight goes off at probably 4 o'clock, yeah. Just all night, just people beating the shit out of it. <laughs> yes. I love it. Can't thank you enough. President of the UFC, Dana White. Appreciate yeah, you. Dana. Can't thank you enough for allowing us to be a part of your day-to-day. We try to deliver every single day for you. Sometimes, you know, a hit. Sometimes a miss. But I'm eternally grateful for you guys sticking by us. Uh, if you like this show, tell somebody about it. If not, fuck off. Or... Continue to hate listen, I guess. I don't know. Hashtag end the pod squad. Tweet a picture of where you're at, what you're doing. We'll continue to give away merch. Uh, we've given away hundreds of pieces at this point now. Can't wait to continue to do so because I'm in- incredibly thankful for you. I mean, this is a lot of time you spent with us on this beautiful Wednesday. And uh, the least we can do is at least say thank you. Can't wait to get on tour and see all you guys. Uh, that should be coming sooner than later. And yeah, we'll be back manana, hopefully with a good show. Ty, please play some independent music and propel these people into a beautiful Wednesday night. Cheers.